Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, a podcast about Jewish food, its history and culture. I'm Beth Schenker, your host, and for this episode, I've traveled all the way to Detroit, Michigan to attend the second annual Jewish Food Festival organized by Hazon. Unlike previous episodes, I won't be in conversation with a single guest. This time, I'll be taking you through the festival so you can experience it for yourself. So imagine this. It's a sunny Sunday in late August. I take a cab from my hotel in downtown Detroit to an area called the Eastern Market, and I'm looking for shed number five, even though I have no idea what shed number five would even look like. I arrive at a huge building at about 11.30 with lots and lots of people buzzing all around, going into the building and hanging out all around the building. Outside is a huge parking lot filled with people, booths, food trucks, and music. Inside, there are long rows of tables from one end of the shed to the other, each table with a different organization or company banner, and in many cases, some food samples on the tables. Also inside, in the front of the building, is a huge kitchen with glass walls, so I can see people preparing food and tons of food samples. And right next door is a very large classroom with glass doors, so I can see the room is totally full of people, and I can see there's a food demo going on by none other than Joan Nathan. And if you haven't heard my two shows with her as my guest, be sure to check those out. She's fantastic. Anyway, it takes me a few minutes to get my bearings and decide how to conquer the event, take it all in, and have it make sense to all of you. And by the way, I'm not traveling alone. I've convinced my husband Steve to join me. He's one of those husbands that lean in, and he's even agreed to be my engineer. So I'm in great shape to tackle this podcast. I've located someone from Hazon. I thought that would be a good place to start. We're going to talk to Judith Belasco, acting CEO and chief program officer of Hazon. Hazon's work is to create healthier and more sustainable communities in the Jewish world and beyond. We think of that through education, action, and advocacy. This has really become an opportunity, particularly in Metro Detroit, to be able to both be working within the Jewish community to think about these issues, but then also to be able to turn the Jewish community outward and look at partners within the African-American community to be able to support them in their food justice and their incredible food entrepreneurial work. And the Michigan Food Festival, now in its second year, has really become the highlight of what is our annual work and really the annual work that's happening throughout the Metro Detroit community around sustainable food, food justice, environmental justice. Uh, And it's a place that brings out 5,000 people to be able to learn, eat, meet each other during the day. The eat part. I I can really connect with that. And so much good food around. It's amazing. Can you tell me... Is the focus of Hazon worldwide, US-wide, and and why do you think Detroit is this center for you? Hazon is a primarily a national organization and works in Israel, particularly on environmental and food issues there as well. Our decision to start an office and continue to start to do work in Detroit was about three years ago we had the opportunity to look at the fact that this is a community that both within Detroit itself has historical deep Jewish roots here 
and within the suburban community a really growing interest to be able to say the issues of our day around sustainability, the environment, how do we make our Jewish communities relevant to these challenges? How do we then reconnect between our roots in the city and where we are uh, in the suburbs today and build those ties? And at the same time, really understand the issues and challenges that the African-American community faces that is that are centered in Metro Detroit. Can you tell me a little bit about why you selected this venue for this event? We are at the Eastern Market today. The Eastern Market is historically the major market center that was you know, helped to feed Detroit for years and years and years. While it fell out of um, use for many years, it has become a vibrant center of the regrowth and rebirthing of the food movement in the Detroit area. So it felt like the exact right place to be able to center his own work that includes all of Metro Detroit in downtown in the historical Eastern Market and both be able to use an entire shed here, shed number five is where we are today. And this year we've grown out into the parking lot with our food trucks and our vendors and um, we could not even be contained within a shed. We have grown and we're incredibly excited to be able to continue to grow and expand with this company. That was Judith Belasco from Hazon, and we'll be hearing from a few others from that organization a little bit later in the program. In the meantime, I've caught up with one of our festival goers, Donna McKay. I am just walking by. I stumbled upon it last year as I come in the morning and work out, and then as I came back, all this was set up. But I'll tell you, there's this wonderful farmer who does edible flowers. And he let us taste and sample a bunch of the, the, the flowers, and he would also make your salad with the greens, seven different greens, and lots of different flowers. It's gorgeous, and it was delicious. And he's right here on the east side of Detroit. And then there's another couple of young ladies who have a store in Royal Oak. They do semi-sweet chocolate and potato chips. It's fantastic. It's very good. I think I'm going to go back in and walk around some more. I want some more of the chocolate and, and potato chips. I think I might check out some food samples myself. And here's a table that looks kind of interesting. So my name is Deborah Walter, and my company is called Deborah's Foods. And I have a son, Max Walter, who had a he has a brain dysfunction. So I wanted to do something that could honor him. And so I thought, I'm a personal chef, I can make granola. And then that's how it snowballed. And then people wanted gluten-free, and now I do gluten-free and vegan desserts. And it just kind of like got crazy. Yes. And how, how old is your company? I'm like, um, probably five years old. And did you participate in this Jewish food market uh, last year? Yes, I did. And it was wonderful. It's really a great thing. Um, and what made you decide to even be here for this event? Well, I'm Jewish. <laughs> and um, I like to do anything like Jewish. Um, last year, I went to Israel with Partners in Torah. And so I've gotten very involved in a lot of Jewish things. And I thought, this was such a great idea, and it really just uh, market your product. It's such a, you know, it's free to be here, so I think it's just great. Free to be here. Well, that's really a great opportunity. So I'm guessing you've made some other Jewish connections within your own professional area, but also just within the Jewish community at large. Yes, I have. I have. I've made a lot of connections. In Michigan or in Detroit, Jewish geography, you know like everybody. 
So it's such a great small little community for networking. Everyone's really willing to help everybody. That's fantastic. And um, your stuff looks really great. If people wanted to find it that didn't live in Detroit, is there a way to do that? Yes, they can either go to Deborah's Foods or Max's Granola, and they can order it right online. Great, thank you so much. So nice to meet you. I don't. By the way, the granola was great. I, I did sample it and uh, brought some home with me. In addition to companies like Deborah's, the festival also includes companies and food-related businesses that are connected directly with the African-American community that's part of downtown Detroit, like this appropriately named Jam Company. I'm Fedora. And I'm Amber. And we're the Jam and Sisters. <laughs> we are actually sisters. We're 10 years apart. Uh, we come from a family of 18 children. And we grew up in a farm country. Uh, our parents had the concept of if you don't grow it or raise it, you didn't eat it. And so that's where our roots are. And um, our recipes, the basic ones, are from our parents. And then we've kind of expounded on that. So fresh as possible, um, grow as much as we can. Uh, we don't have an organic label, but we try to go organic when we can. We, you know, so we pick them from people that grow them organically. What brought you to this food market? Is there a Jewish connection somewhere in there, buried in there? It's funny, yeah, in my husband's side of the family, the clues, um, they, the, so my children actually, um, through my mother-in-law, have a Jewish connection, but with it, they found us on our website in Facebook, and so we, they invited us to come and we came. <laughs> and did you, were you here last year as well? No, this is our first year. We like it. Like it. <laughs> Such a good experience. Really friendly, personable people. It's just been really fun to be here so far. So tell me, wh what would I eat that with and what's that all about? You would, you would eat that on a grilled cheese sandwich or you would put it on some brie with crackers, even cream cheese with crackers. And that came from our father's side of the family. His grandmother was actually um, Scottish and French and it was her family recipe. And so he made it, and so then we made it. We don't add Tabasco sauce like he did, <laughs> but we make it, and it's a fun family recipe, yeah. I think we need to buy the tomato jam. All right, thank you, ladies. Hmm, I seem to be collecting a lot of food to take home. Not sure that was part of the plan. Oh well, I'm gonna head back outside to see what else is going on. Whoa, a huge mural. Here's Dan Armand from One Time Run, an interstate gallery, to tell me more about what's going on. So we're just doing a little community mural um, in partnership with the food festival here. We're just getting some kids out and uh, getting you know everyone kind of helping out and painting the mural and adding you know a couple brush strokes to it, and it's going to live in one of their gardens. The whole big picture is a Seder plate with a sky, a sun, a bird, and pretty much grass, and the cedar plate. I think, I think it's a barn, and this, I think they're having like a, um, this, this is just a table with grass around it, um, and, and, there's, and the cedar plate is on it. <laughs> well, that was a fun surprise, and a cool activity for the kids. I'm gonna go back inside. I think I could use a beverage about now, and I'm gonna to hope to find something interesting. Hmm. Okay, well here's a table with some tea, 
The company's called Nirvana Tea. I'm going to talk with team master Alicia Benson and her husband, Hayward Lockhart. Their company's been in business for five years, and their tea is available online and in 50 locations around Michigan. And Alicia seems to be having quite a good time here. It's been a very robust crowd today. Everyone seems to really be enjoying themselves, and it's just such a variety of food and vendors here, and it's really an awesome experience for us as well. We're really enjoying being here. We got an invitation. We found out about it. I think uh, uh, one of the people that had the, I guess, the organizing of it was drinking our tea and, and contacted me and asked me did I want to participate. So it was just a resounding, yes, of course. Well, I, I lived in Israel for 20 years, so. Did you really? Yes, so, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all inside. And our teas are bursting with flavor, as you will see. And you're trying the Strawberry Rose Lover, which is caffeine-free and very high in vitamin C. Great. I'm Actually, you're right. Like, the flavor just pops out at you. Yeah. We're in about 40 stores, but we're also, yeah, we're also in uh, Beaumont Hospital, uh, some cafes, yoga studios, and we're growing. Yeah, we started uh, right here at the Eastern Market at Detroit Kitchen Connect and we're still affiliated with Detroit Kitchen Connect. We work out of one of the commercial kitchens. We wholesale to the stores, and as I said, to cafes, and we're, we're growing. So that's a, that's a really amazing opportunity for local budding chefs and tea makers to be able to use this facility. That's really absolutely, great. Absolutely, because it's very affordable being able to share the space with others and it helps you get your, your footing, so to speak, yeah, while you're building your brand. Also, I would feel like there'd be some camaraderie between people who are all sort of at where you are, starting out. And absolutely, absolutely. We have a culture of helping one another and sharing resources. And the Easter Market has just been an incredible resource for us. They connect us with all sorts of opportunities to get our brand out and to get the recognition that uh, we worked so hard for. There is no end to the variety of booths here. It's certainly keeping me busy. As promised, I've caught up with another person from Hazon, Brittany Feldman. She's the program coordinator for outdoor environmental engagement and works events like this one. What we really think is important is to connect the Jewish community and bring them back to the city. So we love this event where we can bring together uh, all different types of Jewish organizations. So anywhere, you know, from renewal to orthodox, having them in one space together to come and talk about sustainability, about uh, social justice issues in the city. We think that just that connection is really important and that's really what we strive for, to help the community connect to each other. And it's also really important to do stuff in the city as well because we think it's good to get people connected down here. We partner with um, a farm, an urban farm called Oakland Avenue Urban Farm uh, in the North End, and we work with them a lot. Um, we uh, have staff who work there two days a week, and we connect them to Hazon as well. So we like to program. I specifically do a lot of outdoor programs there as well. Um, so we'll do different bike events, bike to farm. So we just did a bike tour um, about two weeks ago where we had about 25 people, so a mix of young adults from the suburbs as well as from the city, and we started 
and ended at North End Farm, um, and we biked about 12 miles around the city and stopped at different urban farms. So there's actually 1,400 urban farms in Detroit, which I think, yeah, it was really surprising to a lot of people. So we biked to uh, about six of those, and then we ended at the farm, and we did a brunch and had all the food sourced from the farm. So I knew there would be a food yeah. thing. So what was the food at the farm like? So the food was great. Um, we worked with a local um, Detroit entrepreneur, so she <laughs> sourced her food partially from the Oakland Avenue farm as well as from different uh, farms throughout the city. And so we think it's really important to connect people to the food movement, which is obviously another big part of the festival today. So we bring a mix of different healthy vegetarian options, um, and we really like to engage people with, you know, eating a little bit healthier, thinking about where your food's being sourced from, and even beyond that, thinking about who's serving your food, you know, are they being treated um, justly? So that's really the main things we like to focus on is um, connecting people and uh, introducing them to more sustainable ways of living um, through food and social justice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, of it was great to meet you. It was nice meeting you too. I've been wondering about this space, shed number five in the Eastern Market, and I'm trying to figure out if there's some connection to this space and to the Jewish community here in Detroit. It's taken me a while, but I've finally found someone who can talk about it, give us a sense of the history here, as well as talk about the amazing kitchen I mentioned earlier. My name is Aaron Egan. I'm the head chef here at Eastern Market. I uh, manage our incubator community kitchen. I, we have about 12 small businesses that use it throughout the week as their registered production space. And then on the weekends, uh, we do demos. Uh, during our market times, we'll have classes or open demos. And then we're always really overjoyed to welcome uh, events like the Hazon Food Festival in as well and give them the opportunity to use our kitchen here and, and bring them in. So a little bit about the market, I guess. Um, we uh, have been on this location here in Detroit for now 126 years. In the late 1890s, in uh, 1891, 1890, we had our central market, which is in, was in our downtown area right near uh, the center of downtown, and it became obvious as the market got bigger and uh, the city got bigger that we really couldn't have it downtown anymore, and it moved out here with the original first couple sheds being built in 1892 and it's expanded since then. Uh, the most recent sheds were built in uh, the late 80s, late 70s and into the 80s. Uh, and we've done renovations since then to bring the market up to sort of a more modern standard to meet with modern laws and regulations and to also create the same opportunities here that have existed here for a long time. The market district, as it was established, the area around it that uh, constituted real residential neighborhoods was, um, at the beginning of the market's presence here, it was incredibly Jewish. It was a lot of Russian immigrants, a lot of uh, so uh, immigrants from what would end up becoming later the Soviet Union. I'm told that a lot of the street signs were just in Yiddish or in Hebrew or in Cyrillic, and there wasn't even... Uh, an attempt to, to sort of anglicize or, or whatnot. We have pictures going back into the 1890s and early 1900s of Jewish vendors here, people coming into the market um, from all over the world, from all different traditions and, and being united by food. And that's ultimately what we're doing here at the Hazon Festival today as well, because this isn't closed off to the rest of the market. This isn't just a closed special event. This is open to the rest of the community. So we have people who are coming here for our Sunday street market, which is all handcraft goods and antiques and, and uh, that sort of thing. And they get the opportunity to wander up and be drawn up here by food and by interesting cultural information. And uh, we can really, again, unify people around food here at Eastern Market. And then this morning, we had our rabbis from the local Vod show up, 
and uh, kosher everything that we needed to use today and make it so that all the demo food is able to be eaten by anyone who comes here. We have a section of vendors here, uh, kosher today as well, that are marked off so that those of us who are joining, uh, th those who are joining our, our festival today who are more religious can follow their rules and still enjoy it just as much as anyone else. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate this. My pleasure. That was Aaron Egan of the Eastern Market. One thing that's been so interesting to me as I do a lot of walking inside and outside of Shed 5 is not only how large the crowd is, but also how diverse it is. All ages and people from many different backgrounds. It makes it a really great festival. Of all the food-related organizations represented here, I think this one's my favorite. Their impact is amazing, and they aren't your run-of-the-mill organization. I'll let Nikki Hines, Events and Cause Marketing Manager of Forgotten Harvest, tell you about it. Forgotten Harvest is based in Oak Park, and we're a food rescue organization. So that means we pick up food from grocery stores, farms, any other place where there's mass quantities of leftover food, and we redistribute that to soup kitchens, food pantries, and other community partners so it doesn't go to waste. And how did you happen? I know it's not a... Jewish company per se. So how did you happen to be here and what was your interest in, in being part of this Jewish food festival? So actually, we were started 27 years ago by a woman named Dr. Nancy Fishman, who was facing hunger herself, and she saw that there was this excess food, and she kind of made a promise that when she was back on her feet, she would do something to help the community. And so she started picking up extra food in the back of her Jeep and dropping it off to a food pantry, and it grew. 27 years later, we're rescuing 45 million pounds of food just in Metro Detroit, and that actually was really helped by people in the Jewish community. She was a member at Temple Israel and some of the first funding for this organization came from anonymous donors at Temple Israel. I've never heard that term, food rescue. That's it's, uh, it makes total sense now that I hear you talk about it. The food that we are picking up, if we weren't to pick it up, it would end up in a landfill. So uh, 70 billion pounds of food is wasted every year in the United States. And so we are actually rescuing that food from being totally wasted, ending up in a landfill and having environmental impacts. And we're getting it to people that need it. And that's, you know, it's mostly fresh, perishable stuff which is the most expensive. Fruits and vegetables are what people are looking for the most when they are food insecure because they're the most expensive things to procure on your own. So we are stopping it from being wasted, getting it to people that need it. We always say that with every $1 that is donated to us, because of our model, we're able to provide four meals for every $1. So if you think about if you're buying a can of food to give to a food drive, that's probably about a buck when, you know, if you donated the dollar to Forgotten Harvest, we can do a lot with that because of the rescue model. That was Nikki Hines from Forgotten Harvest. Maybe you or someone in your community will want to start up that kind of an organization. It's just so amazing. I think I've saved the best for last. We're going to hear from Jacob Weiss, a Jaffe Fellow from the Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center in Connecticut. By the way, Jaffe stands for Jewish Outdoor Food, Farming, Environmental Education. And this is a project that's also part of his own. Jacob's going to tell us about the topsy-turvy bus, an educational activity for kids, and the bus is crazy. So I want to say it's sort of like a mid-sized school bus with another mid-sized school bus flipped over upside down, wheels up, 
and it spews to the top of the other school bus. Just some quick background about the bus. Um, ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's actually came up with the idea to design the bus. And so there are, there are actually two topsy-turvy buses. One of them lives here in Detroit. One lives at Isabella Friedman in Connecticut. And the buses sort of go around to different sleepaway camps, um, day camps, you know, Jewish day schools, public schools, doing environmental nature programming, for, mostly for children. There's lots of secrets going on on this bus. If you go in there and you start lifting things up, you know, you'll find different storage spaces or different places where someone could conceivably sleep. Um, so actually, so like last summer, five or six people lived on the bus and they toured around the entire East Coast for, I don't know, maybe two months of the summer. And they would stop at, you know, they'll stop at a sleepaway camp for, like get there in the morning and they'll park the bus. There are, you know, there are never kids on the bus when it's, when it's moving. They'll park it. Um, they'll have kids get on the bus. Um, we can take a quick look. So yeah, we have some tables over here that are set up that actually live in the wall. So we can, you know, there's very creative storage going on here. Um, and in every one of the seats that we're currently sitting on, we can lift them up and there's storage space for luggage or for clothing. And then there's actually a TV that's hidden behind that whiteboard, which runs completely off of solar energy. We also have a bike blender. A what? A bike blender on board our bus. What is that? And we'll take that out and it is a stationary bike with a blend, we'll attach a blender bowl to the bike and kids will get on the bike and they'll make smoothies. A few weeks ago we did bike blender pesto where we took like locally harvested basil and had kids making pesto on the bike blender. Um, we tell them that it's, you know, it's completely human powered so they make their smoothies and then they drink their smoothies which gives them the power to ride the bike, so it's smoothie-powered smoothies. That was Jacob Weiss talking about the topsy-turvy bus. It's been quite an afternoon, but it's not over yet, at least not for me. In a few minutes, I'm going to settle in and talk with Liz Alpern from the Gefilteria. She did an amazing food demo here, but you'll have to wait until we post the next episode to hear Liz. I've had a great afternoon, and I hope you enjoyed the tour of the second annual Michigan Jewish Food Festival. Thanks so much for listening to The Big Schmear. If you want to send me a note, you can write to me at this email address, beth at thebigschmear.com. Schmear is spelled S-C-H-M-E-A-R. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, where you can download past episodes of this podcast and find recipes from my guests. We even have some bike blender recipes from today's podcast. Our engineer is Steve Robinson, and our theme music is performed by Cavatina Duo. This music can be heard on their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Schmear so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks for listening, and happy eating. Happy eating.